Hey everybody, welcome to Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. This is episode number 348 of our YouTube channel and podcast, and I cannot be more excited to continue sharing with you guys personal finance topics that I think could be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. Today, we are going to be talking about things that you need to do in your investing life or things that you may want to do in your investing life uh, that you may need to do by year end. Look, this is the first day of December, so we've got uh, a month. We've got a month to get these things done, to get these things in place, uh, to make sure that we take advantage of some of the things that we can uh, by year end when it comes to investing. Because uh, most of the investing clock, whether it's contribution limits or whether it's uh, you know, tax deductions or, or whatever it may be, right, uh, has to be done by the end of a year, right? So we need to make sure we go ahead and get these things done. That way we can maximize the amount of money that we keep uh, and maximize the amount of money that we have growing for ourselves over the long term in our investments. So stick around for a discussion of all that and more in today's episode. Before we get started, though, if you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcasts, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan, and that's really good supplemental materials to all the things I'm putting out in these long form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to build a financial plan and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Just DM me on any of the major social media sites and tell me that you are interested in financial coaching sessions. And you and I can begin working together, pushing towards your long-term financial goals and ultimately pushing you on towards long-term financial freedom, which is what I hope for every single individual who's watching or listening to this show on a day-to-day basis. Now, I know that everyone out there has a different level of investing expertise, right? Some of you have been doing this for many, many years. Some of you have just started doing this recently, right? But whether or not you're a a veteran uh, when it comes to investing, uh, we still need to go over some things that you may forget to get done, that you may uh, you know, forget to do, you may not know that you can do uh, by year end uh, that can really help you with your investments, right? Uh, so there's several things that you can do. There's several things that can help you to either minimize taxes, maximize gains, um, you know, maximize the amount of money that you have put away, uh, all of these different types of things that we need to make sure uh, that we do. Uh, all of this is a part of our planning, right? We have to make sure that we are good planners, um, not planning to the point where, uh, you know, we're just so you know meticulous and so crazy about things that we lose sight of the ultimate goal of why we're doing what we're doing. Uh, but we need to plan that way. We have um, goals. We have Uh, an idea of where we want to get to, uh, and we know the steps that we want to take in order to get uh, to wherever it is that we think, you know, is worth getting to, right? So let us just talk. This this entire episode will be about this, but we need to talk uh, about things that you need to do by year end. And the first that I'm going to go over um, is really basic, right? It's really a basic concept, but it's something that you need to do. Uh, first and foremost, you need to just review your retirement plan, right? Or review any um, you know investments that you have, right? You need to make sure that uh, one, we know what we're invested in. Okay, uh, we need to make sure that we can go through and look at our uh, you know investment allocation, right? Because this is a this is a really big deal uh, on a year to year basis. You can have uh, big changes in allocation just by the returns that you make 
uh, in different asset classes, right? So uh, if stocks really outperform for you, uh, then you may get a, a higher proportion of your portfolio in stocks uh, than you need based on your uh, risk tolerance, based on your investment objectives, all those different types of things, right? So we need to make sure that those fall within uh, the bounds that we need them to. This is really the idea of, do I need to rebalance or not? Do I need to rebalance my portfolio uh, or not? Right, so so this can happen, and, and we may want to take uh, care of whatever it is we need to by year end because we want to make sure when we start a new year that we have the proper allocations in place uh, that we're invested in the right way. Now, this doesn't mean that any slight deviation from uh, you know the asset allocation that you want or the diversification uh, that you want uh, should be just completely fixed back to you know your 60/40 or your 50/50 uh, portfolio or whatever, right? Slight deviations are not a problem, but if there are large deviations, large changes in risk, then you might need uh, to take a look at what you have going there. You may also need to look uh, and just assess the risk of uh, the things that you're invested in. Right. Assess whether or not you should be invested in the things that you are within the accounts uh, that you are investing in those things. Right. Uh, because we've talked before about uh, the advantages of investing within retirement accounts. Right. And the fact that you have tax deferral. Right. Or tax free growth uh, over the life of your investments. And this can be very useful uh, for growth type investments, right? Investments that are going to increase in value a lot over time because they would create a lot in the way of capital gains, uh, but you do not have to pay those capital gains if it's within those uh, retirement accounts. Uh, but on the other hand, if you were investing uh, in high growth things or things that you were uh, more apt to not necessarily day trade or anything, but uh, trade in and out of, change the, the level of your position like you may with individual stocks, um, if you did that within an individual brokerage account, a taxable brokerage account, uh, then you would be forced to pay uh, you know, your capital gains taxes or even your uh, personal income taxes if the gains were within one calendar year, right? Uh, so we may look at uh, our taxable brokerage accounts and go, let's keep that low turnover. Let's uh, just buy. Let's not do a lot of selling there. Let's just continuously buy the S&P or, or whatever it may be. Um, and it just you know, for everybody, it looks different, right? For everybody, you know, what they choose to invest in within their accounts looks different. But uh, these different accounts do have um, the advantages and disadvantages associated with them uh, that you can either, you know, avoid the disadvantages or take advantage uh, of the things that are going to benefit you over the long term. But ultimately, all we're saying here is that you just need to review. You need to look over things, make sure that you know what's going on within your accounts. Then, you need to look to max out your accounts, right? Now, what do I tell you to do, right? What, what do I tell you to do within the financial action plan, right? If you are out of debt, you have a, an emergency fund of four to six months of household expenses, you're already taking uh, your employer match, right? Uh, if it's offered to you, if you have a match that's offered to you, uh, I say at least 15% of your household income uh, should be going into you know, you know things that are going to grow for you over the long term, right? Retirement accounts, IRAs, 401ks, uh, things for your children, all these different types of things, right? Now, let's say that uh, you know you have a 401k available to, to you, you have an IRA or Roth IRA available to you. Well, uh, IRAs are pretty easy to hit 
the maximums relative to the 401ks, right? Because the 2020 max for traditional and Roth IRAs is $6,000 per person, right? So if it's a married couple, that's still uh, $12,000. But let us say uh, that, you know, a couple makes $100,000 a year. Well, that's not quite 15%. Uh, of their household income. So, uh, you know, if you're investing at least 15%, you would probably be able to go ahead and max those out, right? So knowing your maximum contributions and maxing out accounts uh, that are within the realm of possibility to max out uh, could be a very beneficial thing for you to do because every year that goes by uh, that you do not put in the maximum, uh, and, and this is not me just pushing you to put in the maximum because, again, uh, there are different goals that we have in our financial lives, right? We don't need to just max everything out until we get to the point in the financial action plan where we say max everything out, right? Where we've already got our house paid off uh, and all that, right? But um, every year that you do not meet the maximum, every year that you do not put $6,000 in your IRA or $7,000 if you're over the age of 50, uh, and every year that you don't put $19,500 in the 401k or $26,000 if you're over 50, again, these are the uh, 2021 maximums, right? If you don't do that, then you're never going to get those contributions back, right? You will never be able uh, to get those contributions that you could have put in, right? Because yes, contribution limits, they will increase over time, right? But for 2021, you could only put in that amount. Uh, and if you fail to do so, then you never get that opportunity back, right? So taking advantage of those opportunities uh, is a very big deal. And what's pretty awesome uh, about maxing these things out is that you don't have to just do it by December 31st. But we need to go ahead and start thinking about this because for IRA accounts, right, you have typically until the tax filing deadline, which is typically in April, right, uh, to contribute to the prior year's IRA. So you have until April to max out this year's IRA. So you get uh, more time. But obviously, uh, starting next year, you're going to want to be maxing out your IRA with next year's contributions uh, as well, right? Uh, but you have until April to do that. So just be thinking about that and be putting those things in place. But for the 401k, um, you just have until year end uh, because obviously that will be from the deductions taken from your check with your employer. Now, let's say you've already maxed out your accounts. Let's say that's where you're at, right? That you, you've maxed out the, these accounts. Um, if you qualify and if your 401k plan allows for after-tax contributions, not Roth, but after-tax contributions, you can contribute up to an additional $38,500 in after-tax dollars uh, to what they call a mega backdoor Roth IRA or Roth 401k in 2021. For those who earn too much to contribute to a Roth IRA, uh, you could try a strategy known as a backdoor Roth, right? Which is basically where you put money into a traditional IRA and then just, uh, you know, you don't even have to, uh, you know, pay the taxes, right? You, you put in after-tax dollars into a traditional IRA and then just convert uh, to a Roth IRA. Uh, and I would consult a CPA before doing that. Uh, but it's something that a lot of people do. It's a loophole uh, that you know the government is even trying to close up um, with some of the bills that they're they're putting through. But you can still be able to do it for 2021, uh, and so you could take advantage of that if you make more than uh, the contribution limits allowed uh, for the uh, Roth IRA. Uh, you could still have Roth assets uh, without having to uh, just directly contribute to a Roth IRA. So that's a big advantage as well, right? So uh, maxing out accounts, getting all of the money that you can in by year end uh, is a huge deal. Now, 
That is not the only thing that you might want to make sure that you maximize contributions to by year end. Uh, the other thing that we talk about all the time is the HSA, right? The HSA has contribution limits as well. Okay, and for uh, 2021, it's $3,600 uh, for individual uh, coverage. So if you have an individual, uh, you know, uh, high deductible healthcare plan uh, that is HSA qualified, you can put in $3,600. Uh, but if it is a family plan, then you can put in up to $7,200, right? Um, and the obvious advantages to this are just like with uh, your IRAs. And your 401k every year that goes by that you don't take advantage of this, um, who's to say you're going to be on a high deductible, uh, you know, HSA qualified plan forever, first off, right? And then even if you are, uh, every year that you don't contribute is money lost, right? It's money that is uh, left behind is tax deductions that's left behind, right? Um, because, you know, something I didn't really get into much a moment ago that may need to be uh, said is that, you know, if you put money into a traditional IRA, uh, you get a tax break, right? You get uh, a tax uh, deduction for this year, right? That's that's in a big advantage of putting money into those traditional IRAs. Uh, but, you know, I like the Roth and I've given you reasons for that before. But the HSA, it's a very big deal because you put money into the HSA, right? Uh, it is tax deductible for that year, right? You get a tax deduction. You can invest it and have it grow for you, right? So it can grow and it grows tax-free. And then if it's used for qualified medical expenses, you can take it out uh, tax-free. And even if you don't pay directly from the HSA and you just reimburse yourself, as long as you keep receipts and uh, you know, are ready for the IRS at any turn, uh, then you can um, you know, make sure that all that money grows tax-free, is taken out tax-free, and you get that triple tax advantage, right? Which is a huge thing for the HSA. Um, and then ultimately, when you turn 65, you can withdraw that money uh, with no penalties, right? With nothing. Uh, so it turns into like a traditional IRA uh, once you hit 65. So ultimately, uh, the HSA can be a very useful tool when it comes to tax planning, but we have to make sure that by year end, uh, we take advantage of uh, you know what we can for that year. Okay, uh, so that may be something that you want to look at as well. Another thing that we might want to do by year end that might be on uh, our checklist is to consolidate investment accounts, right? That may be something that you've been putting off that you need to get done by year end, right? So if you have several accounts in different places, uh, keeping track of your investments may be very difficult. Okay, for this reason, uh, you may want to tie up those loose ends by getting all your money uh, either under the same roof or just consolidating the accounts that you have, right? Uh, so if you have like an old 401k that you know was with an employer that you used to work for, what a lot of people don't know is that you don't have to leave that money within that 401k. You can uh, roll that money into uh, IRAs wherever you want to, right? You can do what's called a direct transfer rollover. You can open an IRA, let's say with Vanguard or Fidelity or Schwab or whomever, right? Uh, and have them transfer the money into that account as long as the money is treated in like kind. So if it's a traditional 401k, that money would go into uh, a traditional IRA. If it's a Roth 401k, that money would go into uh, a Roth IRA. And then any of your employer contributions, regardless of if it's a traditional or Roth 401k, would go into uh, a traditional IRA as well, right? So it would allow you to take uh, control of that money. Uh, and if you already have a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA, uh, then you can just roll the money into those accounts. And so you have less accounts floating uh, around there and it's easier to uh, keep you know, a hold on everything that you have. Not to mention, 
if you have several IRAs in different places or you have several, um, you know, whatever types of accounts, if you have several uh, taxable brokerage accounts that are in your name or, you know, yours and your spouse's name, uh, getting those in the same place, especially if they're invested similarly, uh, would be a very smart thing to do, right? Uh, because the, I think the, the biggest reason behind this is not for, uh, you know, individuals who, you know, maybe are early on in their investing life and all these types of things, even though it can be beneficial for anyone, it's super useful for those uh, who are, you know, going into retirement, who are uh, aging, who have a tougher time trying to keep up with all these accounts and, you know, making sure they know where everything's at and all these types of things. I don't want you to lose any of your money because you forgot that there was money there, right? So consolidating accounts can be very, very useful uh, and can get all of your things under one roof, again, especially if they are all uh, invested in a similar way. Now, I know there may be certain reasons that certain people would leave money in certain places, I, I get it, right? It, especially, let's say, uh, if you're trying to take money out of a 401k at age 55 instead of rolling it into uh, an IRA, right? Uh, because an IRA, you would have to wait till 59 and a half. Uh, so if you're trying to take money out of that 401k at 55, then that may be something that you legitimately need there, right? So I'm not saying do this just because you can do it. I'm saying do this if this can simplify your life and simplify uh, what you have going on with your investments, right? I just want things to be simple. And I want things to work for you. I want them to be uh, beneficial to you. And if what's beneficial is leaving things the way they are, then that's fine, right? But if what's beneficial is consolidating, which in many, many cases, consolidating is extremely useful, uh, then I would absolutely do that. Now, I talked a little bit earlier about knowing what you were invested in and what types of accounts that you have uh, money invested in. But what I would specifically check on, and another thing you need to look at by year end, uh, is check on your taxable investments, right? Those taxable brokerage accounts, check on those, right? Uh, just like you would give your retirement portfolio once over, you need to do the same with your taxable accounts, right? Uh, the difference here is that you need to pay attention to gains and losses, okay? If you notice any significant losses or gains, uh, you know, tax loss harvesting, which is basically where you are offsetting investment gains with losses uh, to save money on taxes could be uh, a good solution. So here's what tax loss harvesting would look like, right? Let's say that you have some investments that have done quite well uh, and that you're going to have to pay some gains on because you realized uh, gains. But let's say you also have some investments that did not do uh, very well and, uh, you know, you don't necessarily want to sell them, but uh, if you sold them, uh, you could realize losses that would offset your gains that would decrease your taxes uh, the next year. Now, the, the, the rule behind this is that you can't take a position that looks the same, right? It's kind of a, a broad interpretation here, but basically you can't take a similar position within uh, a month of selling uh, for tax loss harvesting or else it won't count, right? The IRS will not uh, award you that tax loss uh, to write off of your taxes, right? But this could be a good solution for you. It could be a way uh, that you can decrease the amount of money that you are going to have to pay uh, in taxes and especially capital gains taxes uh, from your taxable brokerage account. So you could do that, right? Uh, but ultimately what you're going to try to do here is match short-term losses with short-term gains uh, and long-term losses with long-term gains. And the reason that this is the case uh, is because short-term losses uh, and short-term gains are going to have the same uh, tax rate applied to them, right? Your income tax rate. 
but the long-term losses and long-term gains are going to have different tax rates uh, associated with them, right? Uh, they will have the capital gains tax rate that's associated with your income uh, that is applied to them. So if your capital losses exceed your capital gains, uh, then you may be able to claim some of those losses on your taxes and get uh, a refund for some of those losses, right? Uh, so ultimately, we don't want to lose money in the stock market or we don't want to lose money on uh, the value of our assets. But if you have, you can definitely take advantage uh, from doing so and you can uh, you know, sell off some of those things. Uh, now, ultimately, do you want to spend a month out of the market? Probably not, right? That doesn't mean that you can't reinvest your money somewhere, but you need to be careful about the position that you take and make sure that uh, the IRS doesn't see it as a, a an extremely similar position, okay? Then another thing that we need to do by year end, and this is you know kind of with investing, kind of not, but it definitely encompasses uh, your investment accounts, is review your estate plan, right? Although your estate plan is not an investment, it determines what happens to your investments when you die. This is a very, very big deal. Right? So you might want to ask yourself a few things. Right? Have you included all your assets in your estate plan, especially the ones you recently acquired? Because many people, they will create an estate plan and just believe that this estate plan is going to cover them as they move forward. And that may not necessarily be the case, especially with uh, things like trusts and uh, other types of estate planning documents. And so you need to make sure that if you are acquiring new assets and you want those to be covered by your estate plan, that you review the estate plan with your attorney uh, and make sure that uh, everything that you want within it is within it, right? Then you may want to see, you know, do you have the most recent appraisals of any properties that you own, right? Because those appraisals will help uh, in being able to properly uh, disperse assets uh, to your heirs if something were to happen to you. And then uh, do your will and beneficiaries still align with your wishes? And this is, I mean, this can't be stressed enough, right? You need to have a will. You need to have your beneficiaries set up because, 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 uh, let's say with an IRA, beneficiaries that are named in an IRA are going to trump anything uh, that is put within a will. Right? So if you don't have beneficiaries or you don't have the proper beneficiaries there, uh, then your money's not going to go to who you want it to go to, right? Or it's not going to go to uh, anybody specifically. It'll just go to your estate and then uh, have to be dealt with later on, right? So you need to make sure that that's correct. And you need to make sure that the people that you name are the people that you want named, right? Within your will and uh, with your beneficiaries, because there are so many people uh, who, you know, they just fail to make the changes that they actually wanted to make. Uh, and, you know, the people they wanted in or the people they wanted out or whatever. And, you know, life changes and people change and uh, situations change. But if your estate planning documents don't change, right, if they're not flexible, then you could have some very big issues. So we need to make sure that they are flexible and that they continue to align with your wishes while you're still alive. And then you need to ask yourself, are you setting up your estate plan in a tax efficient way? Uh, and then work with the CPA, work with your attorney in trying to set your estate plan up in a way uh, that will minimize taxes, not only for you, but also taxes for uh, your beneficiaries and those who you are leaving things behind to, right? Uh, and that will just be beneficial to uh, your wishes over the long term, right? So review your estate plan, know what's going on uh, and have a plan for what's going on in the future and make sure that your wishes are actually kept. Then uh, the last thing I think we need to think about when it comes to year end with our investments is funding investment accounts for our dependents. Okay, so you have to remember 
that you can put, you know, any investment accounts that you have for your, you know, dependents on your year end list. Um, and this could be 529 plans, ABLE accounts, custodial IRAs, other custodial accounts, right? Uh, UTMAs, UGMAs, all these types of things, right? We need to make sure that we take advantage of these by year end. Now, UTMAs and UGMAs, not, not such a big deal other than uh, the gift uh, amount, right? The gift tax exemption every single year, right? But some of these other accounts like 529s, they have uh, contribution limits, right? And those contribution limits are on an annual basis, just like with HSAs, IRAs, things like that, right? So you need to uh, be putting money away in these uh, if that's a part of your plan uh, and doing so by year end to make sure you take advantage of the maximums that are there. Uh, you need to do this as early as possible in your child's life because uh, then you benefit from many more years of you know, tax-free accumulation for educational expense, expenses within a 529 or just accumulation of assets for your children in general with the custodial account, right? So uh, you will benefit from compound interest, plus uh, you may also be eligible for tax deductions if you have a 529 plan. Again, uh, a lot of this year-end stuff is for taxes, right? Uh, is to pay attention to where you can get deductions, how your money can grow, uh, you know, all these different types of things. Now, some states, they offer state-level tax deductions on 529s. Uh, if your state offers tax deductions, consider funding the account uh, so you can get that tax deduction this year. Now, uh, some of these end-of-year investing strategies can be done alone uh, depending on your level of financial savviness. However, uh, you know, if you need help, if you need somebody to reach out to, reaching out to an investment advisor representative that will help you uh, or, you know, a financial advisor that will help you is uh, a very helpful tool. OK, uh, but having those funded by year end can be very useful. So I know this is a lot of stuff and I know this is a lot of stuff that is, you know, relatively related right? Uh, but go in a lot of different directions, whether we're talking about gains and losses on investments, whether we're talking about tax deductions or, or whatever else, right? Uh, we're, we're just going in a lot of different directions here. It's a lot of things to do uh, over the course of the month, but I would implore you, right, uh, to just sit down and make a list. Think about the things that I talked about in today's episode and sit down and make a list, right? And make a list of the things that, that apply to you, right? And those things that apply to you, just go down one by one and say, what could I do? Uh, what do I need to do? Because we all need to do something. I think that's uh, the overarching point of all of this, right? Whether you, you know, basically have things licked and figured out or not, uh, all of these apply to every single one of us, because if you have investments, uh, then you need to be reviewing them by year end, right? And you need to make sure that everything is in place as you want it by year end. Um, and if it's not, then make the proper changes, do the proper things, uh, to get yourself in line to begin 2022 the right way. Right. So we can all do something. We can all make some decisions that are going to make us better off in our investing life over the long term. And that's what I want for you guys. And that's why I talk about things like this. It's not just because this is something that I'm going to do, right. Uh, or that I have done or, or am doing, uh, currently. It's not that, uh, that's the only reason, but it's because, if you aren't taking advantage of the things that you can by the end of the year, uh, then you may just ultimately miss out, right? If you're not making the contributions that you can by the end of the year, uh, then you may just miss out. And again, we are all at different levels uh, of investing prowess and of understanding taxes and understanding where we are in our financial lives, right? And I understand that. For some of you, you're not even at the point 
uh, where you can invest heavily yet uh, or aggressively yet. And I'm okay with that. That's fine, right? But we can learn. We can uh, get the knowledge that we need. Uh, and if you are investing and in, let's say you're just taxable brokerage account investing because that's all that you know how to do, maybe this episode opened up your eyes a little bit and helped you to understand that there are other places to invest and other ways in which you can invest uh, that will allow you to save on taxes over time uh, and will allow your money to grow uh, without you know penalty, without taxes, without things that are going to hold back that growth over time, right? I'm just trying to help you guys to maximize uh, your ability to build wealth. Um, and I'm trying to help you to gain knowledge, right? This is a personal finance podcast, a personal finance show. Uh, and all I'm trying to do is make sure that you have the most knowledge uh, in the simplest way I can put it uh, every single day when I come on this show. So hopefully this helps. Hopefully you can apply some of these things, uh, some of these actions uh, to your year-end uh, to-do list. Uh, and maybe it will actually help you to save a few bucks, or maybe it'll help you to make uh, quite a few bucks moving forward in your financial life because that's what I want for every single one of you. So thanks for watching this video. If you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcasts, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan. And that's really good supplemental materials to all the things I'm putting out in these long form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to build a financial plan and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Just DM me on any of the major social media sites and tell me that you are interested in financial coaching sessions and you and I can begin working together, pushing towards your long-term financial goals and ultimately pushing you on towards long-term financial freedom, which is what I hope for every single individual who's watching or listening to this show on a day-to-day -day basis. So tune in tomorrow as I continue talking about personal finance topics that I think could be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. So thanks for tuning into this episode of Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. God bless.